Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today's podcast, it's the Super Bowl, baby. Pat explains how he almost fought downtown Julie Brown's cameraman. Tales of Gronk and Death Row Final Meal. Chick-fil-A or Waffle House. All right, welcome to the podcast. And it is Super Bowl week. I'm Dan Wetzel at 40, Pete Thamel as usual. And while this is a college podcast, this is the Yahoo Sports College podcast, I can assure you each member of the 53-man rosters of the Rams and the Patriots played college football. So we're claiming them. We're jumping in on the Super Bowl mayhem because everybody is. Could also get in on the Bud Bowl. Remember the old Bud Bowl? Bud versus Bud Light. <laughs> Spud, Spuds McKenzie smiles somewhere, Dan. That's Spuds that McKenzie. The Bud Bowl. What was the point of the Bud Bowl? I don't know. <laughs> the Bud, part of the Bud Bowl was selling Bud. Well, I, yeah, it worked. But they'd have the long neck guy. The, yeah, yeah, <laughs> with the helmets. I mean, it was classic, I was ridiculous Super Bowl advertising. I really feel like I could be like Don Draper. I just come in hungover, rest on the couch. Be like, okay, what are we going to do? How about we have the bottles of beer play football game? We'll call it the Bud Bowl. Genius! <laughs> now head to Martini Lunch. Yeah. yeah. $15 million purchase. Mm-hmm. I mean, that thing was a big thing. Anyway, it worked. I'm still talking about it. Yeah. Um, all right, so I'm here in Atlanta uh, for the Super Bowl. I'm currently recovering. From Super Bowl Media Day, which is now at night and called Super Bowl Opening Night. Because that's what we needed. <laughs> um, all three of uh, all three of us, you guys have both covered Super Bowls. And I, I don't know about you, but the number one question, I, the number, the two top questions I get when I tell people I'm going to the Super Bowl is, do you actually get into the game? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do. Yes, I do. It's the seats are not what what constitute good seats but that there are no bad seats in these stadiums so yes i get to go to the game it's very very blessed uh, but the other one is what is media day like and they tried to do this at college now um some of the big bowl the semifinals and the title game um it's not it's just not the same uh there's not nearly as much media uh every player is kind of available at the college one but i remember like one year Ohio State was in one of the big games, and they only had four podiums for players. And like Jim Trestle put a punter out there, and like <laughs> that's the most Trestle thing ever. 
Yeah, I tried to hide the QB. Like, you, like no, Brady's – you got to have Brady standing there. <laughs> like, last night – I wrote this about Bill Bel- Bill Belichick sitting there for an hour, and every – you know, this thing is full of the gag – the gag media. You know, Jimmy Kimmel Live and the Extra and E.T. And uh, there was, like, Double Dare. This kid was going around trying to get people to play the ring toss and uh, superhero costumes. There was that woman – she dressed up in the, the wedding gown and tried to get proposed right. marriage to Tom Brady once, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, it is what it is. It's pretty, I, I, I don't even care. It's funny. They're trying to get a hundred million people to watch this thing. They got to do what they can. So I don't even mind, but it's, it is weird. Cause like every gag guy, every crazy person has got to, you know, their producers like, well, you got to go try to get Belichick to flip out. Right. Oh yeah, because if Belichick flips out, we got our viral moment. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're just poking this circus bear, and none of them would have the guts <laughs> to do this except there were. We finally outnumber Bill Belichick. Like he's he's on the defensive. <laughs> you ask a question of Bill Belichick press conference, you better make sure it's like worded properly, or he's oh, going to yeah. cut you in half. He has all the power. But at this thing. Like, last night, this kid was trying to get him to do the ring toss. He's like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Everybody, they're like, trivia quest. Who's Adam Levine married to? You know, he just keeps going, yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, it's pretty funny. What? Uh, so, just briefly, what is, uh, what's your uh, memory We'll start with you, Pat. You covered a bunch of these, and Pete did. Pete has too, but yeah. Pete's been at them. Um, of of media day, if there is one, and and how does it compare to the college media day where they don't get the celebrity? You know, they kill for Jimmy Kimmel to show up at that thing. Hell yeah! No, I, I I've got a good one, but I got to ask you one question first. Are there any legitimate questions left at media day, or is the regular media just given up and totally just thrown this thing over to the gag media? No, no, no. It's mostly – it's still like 70% yeah. people. And Bel- so Belichick will be – he just wants to filibuster. Yeah. So someone will ask a question like um, – what's that background noise? Anyone hearing that? I can oh. hear you. Yeah. Can you hear I- the background noise? I don't know. Right. I'm blaming Pat. Anyway, um, we'll survive. Keep listening, listeners. The – Belichick, like you, Belichick, will go on. Like someone will be like, "Hey, how is Jared Goff's uh, ability to read the intermediate pass route developed over his career?" And he will go on for three or four minutes just because it might, like Guillermo <laughs> yeah. from the Jimmy Kimmel Show, might get bored and go somewhere else. He sees him <laughs> out of the. Last night, at one point, he brought up a dual practice they held with the Bears, like. Two preseasons ago, like this came up. So there are legit questions, but then they yeah. come in, and like I said, I don't even well, care. That, it is. What I mean, it is. The, if I was Belichick, I might not yeah. like it. But well, it's so, been a long time it, since I've covered one, but that it was getting to the point then when you like you you didn't save any of your serious questions for media day. You asked them the days the other days because you just yes. there was going to be no chance. Uh, but no, I've got a good media day memory for you from atlanta 94 the first super bowl in atlanta uh (laughs) i uh i got into a near fist fight a shoving match with downtown (laughs) julie brown's cameraman 
speaking <laughs> speaking of gag media. Did speaking you- of gag media. Yeah, this was okay. Julie Brown it- would kick your. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was horrified. She was watching in in dismay. So here's what happened. Don't mess with my girl downtown Julie Brown now. I'm all on her. You mess with the whole 80s when you mess with Julie Brown. I got to talk to her for a story. I did a story about how she invented the new media day. She was the first. Well, yeah, she really was. She's a pioneer in this thing. I actually got to talk to Julie Brown, which my 14-year-old self just absolutely not have believed possible (laughs) to occur in life. Yeah, you probably got her on the phone in 10 minutes. You want to talk to Julie? She was available. She was available. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this all right, this is '94, so it's kind of past Julie's prime at that point. But yeah, she was She's still she in her prime, the, Pat. Still in her prime. <laughs> okay. Okay. Gosh, I think we've hit a soft spot in what's yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, you have. Uh, you have. Yeah. Uh, but it is um, locker at BC High. He had a downtown Julie Brown poster. I think. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. So no, the the uh, yeah. So she was the she was the gag media. She was walking around, kind of the disruption person, you know, and the. The camera guy was the real kinetic camera dude where he, like, had to be moving around all the time. So I'm talking to Carwell Gardner, the fullback for the Bills. I am the <laughs> only one talking to Carwell yeah, Gardner, this, this must the have fullback been a for the Bills, story. because nobody cares except he played at Louisville, and he's from Louisville, and I'm working for the Louisville Courier-Journal. So we're off in our own little place there, and all of a sudden, Carwell, darling, how are you? And here comes Julie. And it's going to be this big, you know, hug and smooch scene. And the cameraman just blasts me in the back and starts doing his, you know, kinetic dance around shit. And uh, he, he, it's, it's like, I'm, wait a minute, what is going on here? And he bumps me a second time and I shoved him back. And that's when we're about ready to go, except for Carwell Gardner had to break up the fight before it started. It did make a note in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. That was my media day. Uh, <laughs> By name? Did you get your name in there? Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. Random reporter. Pat, yeah, my name was in there. It's so <laughs> unlike you to have a temper, Pat. I yeah, know, I, know, I know. I know. I'm very tolerant of those sort of things. That that cameraman really must have all. really must have blasted you in the back. Like he got me, <laughs> yeah. and he did he did it twice. That was the problem. Uh, the un- you get one uh, shot. Our- you go for a second shot. There's a problem. Yeah, our friend Jeff Duncan uh, in New Orleans has a great term that I've borrowed. It's called unaware Barry. And it works yes. in like the airport, like the person with the bag who's hitting people, oh. or like, or like the person who's like boarding group seven, but stands there yeah. from the start of boarding group one, and is like in everyone's <laughs> way. Like, there's so many unaware berries in life that just have no like. Cameramen may be the most unself-aware subset of media group. Like, I'm not they sure just unaware or arrogant berry. There, that's just like I, this is my place. Look out. You know, they're yeah. usually big guys, too. Yeah, like, that's a good point. Yeah, they usually got you know. some size to them. Yeah. So they get their shot. They got to get the shot, though. I, I, I oh, hear you. But, boy. you know, I kind of <laughs> like this cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. But uh, yeah, that, that was my media day story. All right. That was, Pete, you have a media day story? Not to that. Uh, it was okay. not I noted mean, in the local newspaper uh, that day. I went to St. Paul last year and. I just like walked out and I was like, is this like really, it was like surreal. It was like lights and music. And now Bill Hancock, who runs college football playoff has done like a D list knockoff of this and like pats himself on the back about it. And he, like so much, he has to go to the chiropractor every year. It's the, the college football media day is a disaster. Cause it's like, yeah, it's the, it's the, sh- the strip down, like attempting to be super bowl media day, but without any of the actual 
other media. It's basically a normal media day with the normal participants, you know, fighting through. I remember Nick Saban walked out one year and there was like smoke and music, and he, <laughs> the look on his face was like, "What the?" But uh, the Super Bowl one, I quickly learned last year. Really not going to get any work done tonight. So it, it's um, a battle, man. Yeah, it's a battle. Yeah, yeah, there was there was someone. It was it was Edelman, I believe. It could have been Amendola, but I was trying to get a quote for a, a story that seemed important at the time, and like people were literally asking him, like, "Do you have sex like the week of the Super Bowl or not?" <laughs> like you know, and I was just like, "Oh, this is really good. I'm going to ask him about you know whatever." Uh, I, I don't even remember what my story, but I was just like trying to jump in to ask a question, and some yeah. Some dude's scream. It was just, yeah, it diminishing. No, that's the, uh, the 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 term rally killer from a media standpoint, interview standpoint, was coined, I believe, at the Super Bowl, where it's like you got somebody, and you're trying to, you know, you're, you're talking to them about their life story, some poignant moment, a tragic moment, maybe, and they're starting to, you know, actually get into themselves and tell you why they really felt, and then you know somebody comes barging up with a microphone, talk about how you're going to attack the cover too. <laughs> just the guy just shuts down dead it's like you just killed the rally thank right. you very or, much or you know yeah honey nut cheerios or fruit loops like yeah. that's you know but but the guys are now it's become such a big thing i really feel like super bowl media day is one of these things the players are now jacked up to be at because our entire lot li- their entire lives certainly yeah this was something so they think they're, they're like you know you're 14 you dream of your football career i win a state title Ooh. signing day running out onto the field at college, the draft, you know, like the different moments of your football life. So, like, they're they're coming in. They're all excited. Like, I'm here. I finally made this circus. I want to see what this is like. Like, And then they're on their best behavior. Like, Indomitian Sue last night could not have been – he was statesman-like. Really? Like, Indomitian yeah. Sue, man, you ask him a question. That is a, that's another nerve-wracking possibility. <laughs> yeah. Like – well, when I consider it, uh, I believe that if we have a get a proper push through the A gap, we might be able to pressure Mr. Brady into an unforced error. You know, it's like what the heck? Um, so it is. Uh, it is. It's a circus. It's. Uh, it's. It's a battle. I get it jacked up for it. I kind of look at it as like I, every year I'm fired up. I did not have my best year last no. night. I did not think I did my best job, but I got two columns out of it. Uh, and I fought. Um, all right. So, whereas all of these guys played college football, I wanted to bring up a few names and see what we remember or, or, or stories we might have about these guys. Now, the most popular video footage this week is the game between Kent State, quarterback by Julian Edelman, and Miami, Ohio, featuring wide receiver Sean McVay. Uh, they played each other. Edelman is a beast in this thing, as you'd imagine, I guess. Um, I am assuming not even Pete covered this one. No, no. I Pete wanted loves to. his Maction. Loves I wanted his to. If it was on a Tuesday, I would have got there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as as a quick aside, Sean McVay, 33, just turned 33, and he's the head coach of the Rams in the Super Bowl. Oh. Um, slightly more accomplished than everyone else on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at this dude like, man, you have got you got it going, dude. And he just seems cool. I mean, he just like he's a good dude. I've talked to him. He's got this photographic memory. Like he's single. He's in L.A. He's in the. I mean, he's got it all. Can you imagine if this guy was a college football coach? Oh, like oh. the bidding, the the endless speculation, the Texas boosters who would be like <laughs> rounding up all the oil in Odessa to give them. <laughs> 
Where would he Alex, coach? Well, he's going to call him Coach of Talk because he's going to be a Brock coach. SC be like, we got him. Look at this guy. <laughs> he's going to be our guy. Like, if he went on the market right now and said, I really want to coach oh, college man. football. Oh, how be, much could he get? USC would, would they, fire Clay Helton at the no, mere, like, thought of it. Dude, Bama would consider. There'd be people at Bama like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like like when people wanted to cut cut Brady for Garoppolo. Like, oh, yeah, we ought yeah, to just yeah, cut. Right. Like, what are you, nuts? Yeah. The ultimate shiny new object, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, oh. is it. No, it would be, seriously, everybody but, like, Alabama and Clemson would at least think about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then, then what do they back up the truck yeah. for eight million, ten million? I don't know. Yeah, whatever he wants. Well, it Stan Kroenke's got a lot of money. He Imagine him in the than... Big Twelve. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, they'd score every possession. He, him at Texas. Oh, oh. him at SC is really where it's at. Yeah, he's an yeah. SC coach. Yeah. Though, but I want to know. Stay in town. At what point did he ditch that like bowl cut and go like full LA looks hair gel? Like when did he raid downtown Julie Brown's dresser and go full broski spike? Like where yeah, was somebody it? Somebody had to go in on that. Because you see his pictures from Miami of Ohio and he just kind of looks like a you know, like a dopey slot receiver. He grew up in LA too. That's the thing. Yeah. I thought he grew up I in Atlanta. No, I thought he grew Atl- up in Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Yeah, he's right. from Atlanta. Well, there, that's it. He yeah. got to LA and that's it. And then somebody jazzed him up. I don't know. But uh, there you go, Pete. There's your there's your uh, investigative story for the, the winter after they win the Super Bowl. When did McVay? Hey, we're looking for content out here. <laughs> Hollywood <laughs> hair. You want to save me from writing one more story? <laughs> I am. I'm willing to do it. All right. So some of these players. Um, yeah. Uh, what do we remember? Indomitian Sue. Indomitian Sue is in the Super Bowl. This is his ninth year. Now, in the NFL, he's been known for big contracts and cheap shots. But in college, this was the most... I, I don't remember... I mean, there's a lot of great defensive linemen who come through the pipe. But I don't remember one that was like, you're going to watch Indomitian Sue tonight. Like, he... In the Big 12, 2009 Big 12 championship game, he had four and a half sacks and 12 tackles. Cool. Seven of them for a loss. Against the Texas Longhorns, yeah. Now, the game was remembered for the one more second. Remember, it like mm-hmm. hit the sure yeah. hit the the beam or I don't know whatever. Right, Cincinnati almost Jerry got World. in the playoff. Yeah, almost. <laughs> what? What did you say? Cincinnati almost got in the playoff. Like in the when BCS that game, championship game. Yeah, BCS yeah, championship. Sorry, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, Cincinnati was three. Brian Kelly's Cincinnati team is undefeated in three. And if Texas had lost that game, if they hadn't put the second back on the clock for the field goal, Cincinnati would have played for the BCS championship and likely gotten wow. annihilated. Yes, that would have, but that probably would have ended the BCS even quicker. So, and I wouldn't have gotten to write two books off it, which will send one of my kids to college. So, thank you, Indomican. Yeah. That one second was very important. Oh, he actually yeah. didn't get it done. Yeah. That one second but, helped Wetzel uh, sell yeah. some books. Did he say last night, you're welcome, Mr. Wetzel. I enjoyed no, both actually, versions. he didn't do enough. <laughs> yeah. He didn't do enough. <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. He, they lost anyway. Yeah. Um, I just remember this guy is just unbelievable uh, a talent. What do you think, Pete? Um, I think he is the most dominant defensive lineman in the time I've been covering college football. I don't think anyone wire to wire had a bigger, better season than him. The the one who's close is Aaron Donald, to be honest with you. Uh, Aaron Donald was awesome his uh, his last year at Pitt. But here's a good Sioux story. So uh, last year at, at Big 12 Media Day, so t- two years ago now, I guess, uh, 
Tom Herman went on sort of like an unprompted soliloquy because he was at Iowa State that year as the offensive coordinator about how Sue should have won the Heisman that year, which I agree with. And um, I got a text that day from someone at the Dolphins, and they were like, hey, Sue wants Herman's number to thank him. And so later that day, Sue sent like a long text message to Tom Herman thanking him for his, you know, just sort of unprompted support for the, what was it, 2009? Uh, yeah. 2009, yep. 2009 Heisman Trophy campaign. I thought that was a, uh, I thought that was a nice story about Sue. Maybe he's a nice guy after all, Dan. That the Sue's a big networker and a businessman. He's yeah. Just a different uh, on the field though. It is Ooh. pure, oh, violence. He, he's yeah. an MMA fighter. Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that you know what that I mean. That's what I, I remember that Texas game clearly because that was like holy cow this guy may beat texas by himself and blow up the whole bcs i mean he was just throwing people around the field uh i've had him on my heisman ballot i don't remember whether i had him one two or three i'm looking at the voting for that year was ingram one toby gearhart two colt mccoy three sue four i had him on there somewhere but i don't remember where and that was as close as we've had a defensive player come Gosh, and how long, guys? I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, he should have beat out Toby Gerhardt. Yeah, yeah. Toby Gerhardt was a fine player, but, you know. Yeah. Four and a half sacks, 12 tackles, seven for a loss in a single football game. <laughs> a big game against a good team. Yeah, against yeah. a real team. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't ragdoll in Akron. No. Like, no, it's like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, yeah, he went number two overall. He was supposed to do it. All right. Um, Who went number one? Uh, Sam Bradford. Sam Bradford went number one. Yep. All right. Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady was part of the weirdest deal ever. Um, first of all, he showed up as like the sixth stringer from California. He almost transferred. He didn't even play his first two years. I actually know a woman who went to Michigan at the time Tom Brady was there. And his first, she had classes. She had a couple classes with him during like when he was a freshman, like redshirt freshman. She's like, he was this tall, skinny dude who didn't really talk much. He's like, had I known, I would have dressed up for class a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, People were like, that guy's on the football team. Like, really? <laughs> Lesson out there. Don't wear sweats to class. You may end up in there with like an all-time You never gray. know. That's you never right. know who's uh, who's over there in, uh, in uh, row, row three. Um, so... Uh, I got a Brady he's, story he, if you if you want it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, he you know he finally gets to the the last two years. His first p- pass ever at Michigan was a pick six. <laughs> <laughs> he comes in the game, throws a pick six, almost transfers back to California, sticks it out, and then they bring in Drew Henson, the, the local athletic phenom who's also drafted by the Yankees. Yeah, and Bra- and in the most bizarre coaching move ever, especially for a guy like Lloyd Carr, who I who I I really like, but. Talk about blowing it. They would start Brady for a quarter, Henson for a quarter. Then they would meet at halftime and decide who would finish the game. Seriously? I don't remember that. That's how they did it. Yeah. And then all but one game, Brady won the the competition. But every week they'd still bring it back out until finally about halfway through his senior year, they finally were like, okay, we got to go with Brady. And they had Tom freaking Brady on campus. And... (laughs) And they, they couldn't – they did this – I mean, how would you even operate like that? I mean, you might only get two series in a first quarter. Then the reason he went to the fifth round and it was 199th overall was because all the NFL teams were like, well, if he couldn't beat out Drew Henson, there must be something wrong. Right. 
because he was really good in college. They beat Alabama in the in the uh, Orange Bowl. Like he was a really good player, and that was what did him in. He got, and his dad still hates Michigan. Tom has forgiven him, uh, <laughs> as is his want. I mean, you know, I think it worked out, but yeah, totally bizarre that this is how the greatest quarterback in NFL history's call. You know, like okay, who's the other Montana? Yeah, well, he was a three year starter at Notre Dame. He was the glory. You know, yeah. everyone else, it's like, you don't just show up and be like, oh, this guy. But that's why he was such a bad draft pick is the scouts doubted him. So what do you got, Pete? Um, so I covered a Syracuse curb stomping of Michigan my senior year in college where Donovan McNabb went into the big house and just routed Michigan. And the Michigan fans remember that game because it was when Drew Henson – Kind of, he came in in mop up duty and, and threw for two touchdown passes, and that was and one they all of, cheered. Yeah, oh yeah, oh they were going nuts. Nobody left because yeah, I, it, it's hard to quantify now in like the YouTube Instagram era or whatever, like how big of a prospect Drew Henson was. Like I remember growing up in Massachusetts, and Drew and I are about the same age, and like there was like huge Sports Illustrated articles, but I'm like he was like the guy you would buy USA Today to like track his high school stats. He was in that era, I think, the biggest high school star in football, and the fact that he was an elite baseball player too. Um, so I actually spent a day with Drew Henson in 2015. He was uh, scouting for the Yankees. And this stat blows my mind. This is one of my favorite stats ever in sports because the odds of it happening are astronomical. So Henson obviously got drafted in the NFL, got drafted in MLB, was a really good AAA baseball player for the Yankees, um, played for the Columbus Clippers, got booed every time he went to bat in Columbus for two seasons. The Ohio State fans hated him so much. Still wouldn't forgive him. <laughs> yeah, like <clears throat> random August Tuesday, third at bat, boo, and he's on their team. Anyway, um, <laughs> he was a little bit like, they just couldn't let it go. Uh, of course. He grew up like right next to Michigan, and his dad worked there. Like, yeah. of course he was going to go yeah. to Michigan. Doesn't matter. Exactly. So, Drew Henson, who was, who was a prince of a guy, by the way, and, and uh, I learned a lot about how to scout a baseball game sitting with him this one night in Clearwater, Florida. But this is how I'll always remember it. He played in the NFL and played in Major League Baseball, which are two outstanding achievements for anyone in life, right? Like, to, to have that kind of success where you can go play in both. He had one Major League hit, and he threw one touchdown pass. Wow. <laughs> How about that? I mean, that to me is mind-boggling. Like the, st need. the statistical odds of that of those be of that being your statistic of that being like what you ended up doing yeah. and you know to think about that all the nights in triple a and then all the practices and everything um yeah one and one and one one, one and, and one. done yeah so that uh, Pat, did you cover brady at all i did what not no oh. um but here's you know i was thinking first of all let me say this joe montana by the way had a hard time getting off the bench at notre dame because he was a bad practice player he was behind uh -huh, Rick right. Slager at first, and then he redshirted his sophomore year. Junior year, he finally started. Still didn't play most of, all the time because they liked Rusty Lish, and it wasn't <laughs> until he was a senior that he really got to start the full-time. Actually, it's halfway through his junior year. But anyway. I stand uh, corrected. Yeah. Uh, Tom Brady in today's era would have transferred, wouldn't he? Oh, he my been God. Out of there. He would have been at Stanford or Cal or USC well, or something after two did. years. Yeah. He yeah. almost did, and he went in to meet with him. 
His dad was trying to get him to transfer, and Brady went in to meet with Lloyd Carr, and Lloyd Carr said, look it, you can go. I don't think Lloyd Carr even cared if he left. Yeah. But that was back when Lloyd Carr was loading up on QBs. I mean, they had a yeah. heck of a run at Michigan. People can't now. Michigan can't buy a quarterback, but back then they they just had them stacked up. Right. I mean, one of the years Brady didn't start was because Brian Greasy went undefeated and won the national title. I mean, there's yeah. reasons. But he said, "You'll always regret it. You're always going to spend the rest of your life wishing, wondering what would have happened had I stayed." And Brady, being Brady, said, "All right." He said, "Take a day, think about it." And he came back. And he says, "I ain't leaving." Like wow. Carr knew how to how to how to play him perfect on that. Hmm. And uh, there you go. But yeah, he probably. I'm sure he would have left earlier, but his dad wanted him to. So yeah. <clears throat> well, here's this era. He would have been out of there lickety split. Transfer portal. Yeah, Tom Brady yeah. in the yeah. transfer portal. Here, here's my thing. I always think Carr has gotten the rawest deal on all this. Like Carr has more national titles than Bo Schembechler, right? And what yeah. do people remember him for? Playing Henson over Brady, like it's a and shame. losing to Appalachian State. Yes, yeah. those are the two things yeah. he's remembered for. He had a remarkable run. Like he won way more Big Ten titles. Like have they won one since he's left? No. He uh, Deloitte Carr is a great coach. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I, he is a great guy. Yes, I mean, uh, you know, look, you know, you, we don't know the people that we cover. Man, if Lloyd Carr has been fooling us for this many years, yeah. <laughs> then he's one heck of an. I mean, he is a tremendous person. Yeah, great leader. His players love them. They grab you know all everything you want out of a college football coach is Lloyd Carr. Yeah. And yeah, he won a national title. Beat beat Ohio State a lot. Yeah, um, he's done a ton recruit. of ca- cancer work up there, uh, raising <clears throat> yeah. money for well, local his grandson. Hospitals. So yeah, he's obviously grandson had that tragedy in his life. Um, yeah, yeah. No. he's a great, great guy. I really like Lloyd Carr. So anyway, all right. Jared Goff. Anyone remember Jared Goff? Because, uh, yeah. uh, you know, a little. But mm-hmm. let's just not say not a high-profile career, but here he is. Yeah. No, I remember I remember Goff because uh, Tony Franklin was the offensive coordinator at Cal. <clears throat> and he was a Kentucky guy and a, an absolute contrarian. Always he was kind of at odds with whoever the boss was or wherever he worked. And that's just kind of. Who he was, a kind of you know, a, a creative genius who had a hard time getting along with authority, I guess you would say. And uh, they brought in Goff, and uh, it was 2013. He was a true freshman, and Franklin was like, "We got to play this guy." And there was, I th- Spike Dykes or Sonny Dykes was the coach, and I'm not Sonny Dykes. I eventually came along with it, but a lot of people wanted to go with this guy, Zach Klein, uh, who was the veteran. And like, no, nah, we got We got to go with Goff. We got to go with Goff. They went with golf. They went one and eleven. I mean, they were terrible. They were awful his freshman year. But Franklin was always like, "This guy's going to be really good. Let's take our lumps with him, and then we'll grow from it." And and he was right. He was one of the first real believers uh, in Jared Goff, and they did get better after one and eleven. Obviously, ended up becoming the number one overall pick as, after coming out as a junior. How about that? One and eleven was yeah. one starter. Yeah. And uh, and Brady couldn't get off the bench. There was well, a Super Bowl like, this but- is my column today. Can you tell me more, yeah. Pat? <laughs> no, well, there was a Super Bowl I did when it was Aaron Rodgers versus um, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, and I, it was signing day, and I did a column on it. And uh, nobody offered – no Division One offers for Rodgers, one at quarterback for Roethlisberger. Yeah. Crazy. One Crazy. offer, right? Rodgers had to go to JUCO. Yeah. And, uh, and I did all of them, and it was funny uh, – um, uh, Harrison, um, 
James Harrison goes, I go, what was your uh, signing? He went to Kent State. I go, what was yeah. your signing day would have been like with the hats and all that? He's like, only would have been one hat, Kent State. <laughs> 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 so it didn't really matter. All right, um, Gronk. I don't know if Gronk, he went, he's from Buffalo. Of course he chose the University of Arizona because it's, he's Gronk. They took him to like a foam party at a sorority, and that was the end of that. <laughs> Done deal. I don't know that Gronk ever actually played football at Arizona. He just like you know scored chicks and the and, and stuff like that. But I can't, young scholar Gronk. Anyone remember Gronk so, as a college football player? He missed his last season with a with a hurt back. That's yeah. why the Pat Pat's he, drafted him in a steal. He was the first ever three and done who didn't play his junior year so he was really a two and done and give his give his dad his advisors credit because first of all people didn't three and done 10 years ago when Gronk came out it was very rare you know now like that's the expectation if you're a five star you're going to be three and done right back then it was very rare and it was literally unprecedented for that to happen if as a two and done so um yeah, I ended up doing a, a profile of Gronk uh, for Sports Illustrated a, a couple of years ago and relived some of those uh, Arizona years with Mike Stoops, uh, who was the Arizona coach at the time. And uh, uh, Belichick and them like kind of knew that they had something special because they put a lot of they put a lot of time in. They went out to Tucson to visit with him. They they knew that there was uh, that there was something a little bit a little bit different about him. I believe. If I'm right, they drafted Gronk in the second round and Aaron Hernandez in the fourth round of that draft. Yeah. 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 And uh, you would know that, Dan. And so two uh, tight end, the two tight end offense. too, oh, was, And it was man. genius. Yeah. Everyone oh was like, God. what are they doing? Yeah. Right. And no. then it was like, oh, my God, look at because they <laughs> yeah. both could run vertical routes. It was like, holy yeah. cow, he changed Fantastic. the offense. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then Welker would jump in underneath. Yeah. It's like it, the defense had no chance. Yeah. So I did a uh, – when I did that profile of Gronk, I got to know his dad because I had profiled his brother that summer who was at K-State. And uh, great family, real affable people. The brother at K-State was super smart. He kicked around the NFL for a while. He was, like, really into investments. He was, like, a really, like, heady guy. He also, I believe, drove a turquoise Hummer around Manhattan, Kansas, <laughs> <laughs> that his brother had given him. And he was like the bartender at the local bar on Thursday nights. Of course. So, of course. Uh, Gordy. I think it was Gordy was the, the brother's name. But uh, so that that was that summer. The story was great. And uh, I hit the dad, and I was like, hey, you know, I want to do a profile of Gronk, um, of Rob. They, there was This was the year he had come back from all the injuries. Um, they ended up beating Seattle in the Super Bowl. They were kind of, uh, they were kind of rolling. And it was a Friday afternoon, and my office called, and they're like, hey, do you think you can get some access to Gronk? So I was like, give it a shot. So call the dad. We have a two-minute conversation. He was like, I'll let you know. And like three minutes later, he's like, Tuesday, go to this address at 7 o'clock. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was Gronk's house. So I immediately proceeded to do nothing and not tell anyone, including my own editors. I was just like, we're just going to go. And this it's may just, fail. Yeah. 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 I was like, cause if it, cause if it like backfires or something happens, you don't get anyone excited, you know, like the less, the less editors know the better. So, um, always. Yeah. And the less the Patriots know the better too. Um, <laughs> and sure. so I like pull up to the McMansion at like seven o'clock and 
it was uh, I, I I lay very few claims to fame in my career, but I actually discovered the Gronk bus. Remember, remember he yeah, bought the party the bus. Story, yeah. yeah, oh yeah. And so sure. well, that was to keep was, him from DUI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it also like it, there was actually like a very functional aspect to it. So this guy Robert Goon is like Gronk's Goon? driver. Yeah, Goon, G O O N, Goon is Gronk's driver buddy he's like a former high school fullback from like the providence area i actually did a public record search on him because i didn't believe that that was actually his name yeah right so oh my god goon is this course. yeah course. goon is this like squatty little guy with a thick boston accent and uh i pull up to the house and he and rob had just come back from going to dinner somewhere and he walks up to me and he's this like little dark hair guy he's like rob gronkowski nice to meet you and then he like laughed really hard at his own joke <laughs> So Gronk has since moved, but at the time he lived in this like McMansion he built like a mile from the stadium in Foxborough. It was like two miles away, but it wasn't because I, I remember I left early to beat traffic and like stayed at Patriots Place for like an hour at a Starbucks or whatever, and then went over there. But the one thing I'll never forget about Gronk's house it was like everything was oversized. So like you walk in the entrance and it's like this huge arch, right? And then. I'll never forget this. We we sat did the interview at his kitchen counter, and he had like jars of almonds that were like vats, <laughs> like they were like they were like three feet tall of like you know like you would have like it was like almonds, walnuts, and something else like on the counter, like like people would have like food out, and it was just like like the the size of them was just uh, was just awe inspiring. <laughs> uh, so basically, I get there. And, uh, like, Rob doesn't really quite know why I'm there. Like, he kind of knows I'm there to do an article, but, like, really doesn't know. And then uh, I told him that I had written the article about his brother this summer. And the article, the lead of it was, like, the special Gronk shot that he made at the bar in Manhattan that uh, all, all the girls liked. And he was like, you wrote that article? That was awesome. And I was like, it's like, Okay. <laughs> uh, and then he kind of started to like piece it together a little bit. And uh, so anyway, he was like delight a delightful guy. And uh, the one thing I'll never forget is like some dude he went to high school with who like worked in video conferencing software lived upstairs. And it was like the most boring job you can have in America, like selling video conferencing. And he did it from like the upstairs of Gronk's house. Like he was just his high school buddy who like randomly lived there, which I thought was uh, which I thought was great. Um so anyway, long story short, I'm leaving the Gronk residence, perfectly hospitable, very nice, very engaging interview, and uh, very funny. Goon was really the star of the show, and he kind of knew it. But uh, so I, I leave, and I realize I have to go to the Patriots the next day to, like, talk to teammates and coaches and whatever. And so uh, I remember I, like, put my backpack on. I was like, thanks so much for having me. And uh, I was like uh, – I was like – forget what I asked him oh I said Rob I was like when I'm in the locker room tomorrow which one of your teammates should I talk to meaning like who are you closest to or whatever and he gives me this like sideways look he's like you're gonna be in the locker room tomorrow and I was like yeah I'm, you know I'm doing a story and then in my mind I'm like did the NFL not let media in the locker room anymore because I didn't bend that in the NFL yeah. a year or two and he just looks at me and goes me too <laughs> 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 and I like kind of stopped and I looked and like the, his buddies were in the kitchen like ah, okay and then uh, be there. and then I walked in the next day and he saw me and he was like you're here and then he wanted me to talk to who was the guy in the Patriots they traded to uh, Arizona Chandler Jones 
Chandler he was like, Jones is his body. there's Chandler. Go get him. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, Rob. I'll briefly and in family-friendly way tell my favorite Gronk sports story. We know he has a favorite number. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, we do. Okay, it's so not we'll just seven. Say he, we all know Gronk ha- is obsessed with a certain number. It's between so 68 school, and 70. Yeah, it's between 68 and 70. His high school basketball coach told this story on the radio in Buffalo once. Um, so we're playing a home game, and we have 68 points. Now, it's not a blowout. This is basketball, but it's particularly a close game either. So Gronk gets fouled, goes to the free throw line. He hits the first one to get us to uh, 69, and the place goes nuts because he's playing into it. <laughs> On his next, <laughs> on his next free throw, that's <laughs> high school kid. He purposely chucks the ball off the backboard and misses, so the score would stay at sixty nine. <laughs> and then runs back on defense, pointing at the scoreboard. <laughs> that's good. Oh my god! He's the only one who could get away with being like a meathead like that. Yeah. They- Even the coaches are like, "That's pretty funny." <laughs> He's truly <laughs> America's favorite meathead. <laughs> yeah. When I was there, right. like, my memory, because people were like, what was he like? He was almost just like a big puppy. He was just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. just like very nice and very eager to help. I'd like to say, like, you know, we talked about Tolstoy and, you know, he, yeah. he talked about writing sonnets. But really, he was just like big, friendly, golden retriever. That was good stuff. All right. Um, Did they win that basketball game, by the way? Uh, they won the game. Yeah. All right, so I'm in Atlanta. Super Bowl's in Atlanta. And um, uh, I want to get to the great uh, culinary debate of the state of Georgia. Um, and let's just say, let's say that we're facing, uh, um, you know, you're facing, uh, you're on the death row, Georgia death row, which is an active place, I imagine. <laughs> um, and you get the last meal, okay? You get last meal. And I, I actually looked this up. There are three crimes in Georgia that are punishable by death. Okay, three things you can do. So if you're in Georgia, don't do one of these three because they will get old Sparky going in a hurry down here. <laughs> old Sparky. Here are the three. Okay, murder yeah. with uh, certain circumstances. Like you had to kind of kill before or some different things. Uh, or, you know, really bad. The other two, though, treason. Treason, which sounds a lot like, um, uh, sounds a lot like, uh, like a, a like the University of Nebraska lawyers, and aircraft hijacking. What? Really? Sounds more like a federal offense to me, but if you hijack a plane, you can get the death penalty. But anyway, let's say you're on the death penalty. Uh, You're on death row, and you get the one meal. Last supper. What do you choose Georgia style? Chick-fil-A? And let's say we're not killing them on Sunday because that'd be, that's, you know, God and all that. We're not doing it on Sunday. So it's got to be open. Chick-fil-A or Waffle House? Pat Forty, who, what do you choose as your Georgia death row last supper? Chick-fil-A okay. or Waffle House? Well, for taste, I would go with Chick-fil-A. But for loyalty, I'm going Waffle House, scattered, smothered, covered, a heart attack special. They're going to kill you anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but here's why. Because the 1996 Olympics, the worst Olympics I've ever covered. I've covered like eight or nine of them. Terrible Olympics. And uh, 
the only thing that really got us through was the fact that there was a Waffle House by the Days Inn where they stuck about 80 of us media people, and we would go to the Waffle's house at, you know, you'd get done covering stuff at 2 in the morning. You're starving. You get on a terrible bus that goes the wrong way, that gets lost, and uh, end up, the, you know, the, the Waffle House is your savior. That's the only thing that's getting you through is, get, is hitting the Waffle House at 2 in the morning before you get up at 8 and do the whole thing again, get on a bad bus end up going to the wrong location, et cetera. So, uh, Waffle yeah, Waffle House is definitely my winner. All right, Pete, Waffle House or Chick-fil-A? Unless you can be hung over on death row, Waffle House has no value to me. I, I mean, that, that's the only reason to go to Waffle House is you've got a big night out, and you go there You go there either amid your night out at the end of it or the next morning when you're not feeling great. I'm, I'm Chick-fil-A all the way. Uh, huge fan of Chick-fil-A. They even have those, like, shakes now. I mean, forget about it. Like... Yeah, and since I'd be dying, I would definitely get everything fried, not baked. Yeah, no need to go the locale. Yeah, your last yeah. meal. No. Yeah, I'd have a, like a cookies and cream with hot fudge shake. It'd be pretty good. Yeah, I'm kind of worried now. Actually, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm gonna go Waffle House because of the variety. I mean, I, I would just and I would just order the whole damn menu. Of course, <laughs> I mean, it's let's get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, wouldn't need the coffee. Real, I don't think you want to be alert. Would you want us to, you know, really <laughs> yeah. need caffeine? No, no. But I do love coffee, so maybe. But I'd want the whole experience. It wouldn't. A Waffle House would not be good takeout. That would be one problem. <laughs> I don't think they let you go to Waffle House. They just bring it to your cell. They would definitely not know. let you go to Waffle House. I'm not. I'm per. You know, have not experienced the death row last meal, but I'm thinking they don't let you go. Maybe if they did, that would be that would. I would definitely want to go to Waffle House because that's a real experience. Um. <laughs> I recommend this uh, YouTube Anthony Bourdain and Waffle House. Anthony oh. Bourdain does a bit on Waffle House. The first thirty seconds are, are some of the finest words and great, and one of the greatest speeches ever given about America. Is the first thirty seconds of this thing? I'm writing this down. Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, Bourdain is the yep. greatest, and he went to Waffle House, and he he's just like. He's like, it never closes. It's always there for you. It's there to serve the tired, the hungry, the completely wasted. <laughs> it's fantastic. So that's your homework uh, for this. And uh, we'll be back next week. More college football uh, and college basketball, too. We can get to any college basketball day, but that's all right. It's Super Bowl, man. It's the Super Bowl. Um, subscribe. Keep leaving us a review. Appreciate you guys all listening. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.